Welcome back to the Tykeens podcast. This week, we're going to talk about the job guarantee and universal basic income. Is there a difference? In an aggregate, does it even matter? Or is there another option? Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tykeens podcast. So I created a model and a blog post on my Patreon um, last week, um, comparing the job guarantee to universal basic income. Um, and I, I really, it wasn't to say one is better than the other. That's not the case at all. In fact, it, 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 long story short, I believe they're both valuable to our societies. But I needed to look at it in an aggregate fashion to try to build a model. And then I came across maybe a potential third conclusion. Um, so kind of running through my my thoughts on this, I'll start with the job guarantee. So the job guarantee, uh, the federal government essentially assures that anybody that wants a job will have a job during an economic downturn. Now, this sounds great on the surface and, and very, very small applications. I think it could work. Obviously, like a lot of the critics of the job guarantee, which I'm not, um, they would say, well, how are you going to apply that to, on, on the local level? How is the federal government going to do that? Um, and that wasn't necessarily a concern. This model wasn't a, a political concern per, uh, per se. My concern was how could you inject that money into the system and give people jobs? Or do those jobs exist? Does the capital exist for those jobs? So my my issues with the job guarantee came down to, Okay, so there's an economic downturn. People want jobs. So the government provides them with the, the jobs. Jobs require a capital stock. So where does this capital stock come from? Is it, it located unutilized capital in the private sector? Or is it unutilized capital in the government sector? Um, because that has to exist for the job to exist. Now, the stock of capital or the fixed capital in the economy, there's a cost to it, and that cost is depreciation, okay? So, well, there's a hot economy, we'll call it, what happens to this capital stock, this unused capital stock being reserved for um, a job guarantee? Now, in the government sector, um, some would argue that that would be jobs that are filled by the government sector employees. Um, and when there's a downturn, somehow um, individuals that are unemployed in the private sector will fill those jobs. Logically, I don't see how that can happen, right? The, the, the capital stock has to be unutilized and then filled with unemployed people during an economic downturn. That capital stock requires um, maintenance and that maintenance is depreciation. It's a cost. All capital is depreciating um, and which would require spending, um, taking away resources from the private sector when the private sector is hot. So I have some issues with that. Now, if the capital is located in the private sector and it's unutilized, how exactly does the federal government um, employ that? Like, do they just go to the private companies at a local level and say, hey, fuck you, you're going to do what we want with your capital. 
Now, I get I get it. Capitalism has a bunch of ills, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of people that own capital that earned it outright themselves. It's their capital. I like the idea of the job guarantee, but I think it only works as a very small backup to the economic cycles. So people needing a job that want a job, there would be a job program. But you have to remember the capital has to be in place for those jobs to be provided. And while those jobs aren't being provided during a hot time in the economy, what is that capital doing? It has to be maintained. Who maintains it? The private sector? The government sector? How does that work? Now, when I model that with system dynamics, I run into a problem. I run into a serious problem, an inflationary problem. It could be looked at as an inflationary problem, maintaining maintaining that capital base. If we switch gears and go to the other program, which is um, universal basic income, I kind of I'm in more in favor of that, um, but I'm. I'm leaning towards maybe a combination of both. And if if we had the choice of two, I'd say, well, let's have a combination of both. And the definitions of the job guarantee and the universal basic income vary drastically depending on who you ask. So universal basic income can be a, an income, $500 a month for every uh, citizen in the society. Okay? It could be for the lower income earners and people that don't have a job and and then they'll get that money. The more I looked at it and mapped it out on paper using stock flow diagrams, I realized they're exactly the same in aggregate. There's no fucking difference. Okay. And it comes down to wordplay, a job guarantee, universal basic income, depending on how you apply those two policies, they can be exactly the same. Now, there's definitions from famous people that narrow what those definitions are for the universal basic income and the job guarantee. Okay. So, in theory, they have their theories. Now, in practice, we don't know if it actually works. So, when I was creating this model, I came up with a third option. What we do already is the government just spends productively into productive companies in the private sector. Now, this is not the fucking financial sector. I'm talking about industry that creates the jobs. Okay? Remember, you need that capital stock to provide that job during a downturn. Well, what's the best way to to achieve that? Limit the downturns. Smooth the business cycle. So as I was mapping it all out in a system dynamic model, and by the way, it's available for download on tykeens.com on my system dynamics page. Um, and it's also on my Patreon post it for free. So you can look at the model, make sure you download the Minsky software so you can run the model. And you can look at the equations and see my logic for yourself. Um, so what I opted for was the third option. Because in aggregate, all three are the same. Really, if you think about it, they're all the same. Except for minor policy differences. And that would have to vary country to country. Okay? Every fucking country is different. Okay? One shoe does not fit, fit all on this planet. But if you look at it mathematically in aggregate, they're all the same. So the way I did this is I created a function. 
Okay, and this function basically looked at the employment ratio. And so in my model, I don't have unemployment, I have the employment ratio. And the employment ratio is the ratio between the population and the amount of jobs in the economy, and it fluctuates. I used a basic Goodwin growth cycle model. Um, I added um, Steve Keen's debt deflation third system state, and so on a system state is a stock. Uh, so this this model has um, capital as a stock, the wage level as a stock, and debt as a stock. So then I added a four system state, and the four system state was a stock of government spending. Now I know that doesn't sound quite intuitive because you're going to say, "Well, fuck, tie." Um, government spending is a flow. Okay, it is. But I created a level and added a time dimension. A level is a stock or a, a system state. Okay, so now it's dollars per year. So I added this four system state for government spending. Um, and I created a function. And the way government spending works is during a high employment ratio, there's less government spending. J during low um, a low employment ratio, there's high government spending. So if you were to plot this on a graph, it would be a downward um, sloping exponential curve. Um, so I created that function. That's telling how the government will spend. And this is all done endogenously. I'm not sitting there um, playing with anything. So I built all this and I ran a couple different scenarios. So the business as usual scenario that showed Steve Keen's debt deflation, uh, high private debt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can look that up anywhere on the internet. Um, <clears throat> and then I did a second run and where I activated this stabilizer, we'll call it. And it completely smoothed out the business cycle. It took some time. Right. In dynamic systems, you don't go from one time period to the next and your problems are solved. OK, this is a serious fucking mistake made by economists, not just mainstream economists, but heterodox economists, too, are still using that fake fucking math from the 1850s. And it's not fucking real. A real scientist would look at that shit and laugh. The reason why they don't laugh is that of professional courtesy and academic courtesy. An engineer would say, well, that's not my field, so I'm not in the position to judge. But when he looks at the math, he's like, what the fuck is this? So in dynamic systems, we use continual time. So we're studying things between time periods. That's how you can accurately, so you're looking at flows. You've got to know the flows and what they're doing between the time periods. So you understand the accumulation of stocks. So in this dynamic model, over time, the business cycle smoothed out. Now, the issue with that is we live with different governments over time. There's no fucking consistency in our political system. That is the reality. Okay, so we're not going to ever have a fucking job guarantee, basic income forever. It's going to change over time. There's going to be periods of fucking austerity, right? Okay, so then the third scenario, I switched it up. And this model runs from 1900 to 2150. So in the second uh, run, I started the stabilizer in 1950 and then just ran the model to 2150, 100 years. And the business cycle got really small, the waves, and really smoothed out, which 
And I also in this model was tracking the distribution of income. So between the corporate sector and the, the worker sector. Um, because of this was a way for me to track the well-being of humanity or a nation. And so in the first run, obviously, there's a declining wage share for workers. In the second run, we reverse that in 1950. And in fact, the wage share starts to rise and the corporate sector just stays st steady. And to break down the corporate sector, and we, we don't really see this in the FRED data, but if you break down the, 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 the corporate sector, and obviously we're seeing the, the corporate profits rise, so their income versus workers. We're seeing that. That is a phenomenon of capitalism, okay? But if you break down the corporate sector, what's really rising is the financial sector, not industrial, industry, okay? That's not the issue. We need that. That creates productive jobs how it moves our, our society forward. So I put that into the model, showing the wage shares, um, income shares. Um, and the second run smoothed it out. But in reality, it's going to be an on and off kind of effect. So in the third run, what I did is I started the stabilizer, 1950. Turned off the stabilizer, 1925, or 1975. In the year 2000, turned it back on. The year 2025 turned it back off to kind of show the swing between, let's say, political parties. If there's a left and right or, you know, some sort of, you know, mind fuck brain switch in our societies that happens all the time. Um, and what happened is it did stop the declining wage share. So there's a benefit for at least having some fucking government spending sometimes. Okay, at least let's eke some of it out. Let's get some of it out. But the business cycle continued pretty much as like the first run. So that's a huge fucking problem with these stabilizers is having that political stability to actually have an effective stabilizer. Because these thing, things don't just happen the next year. Our problems are solved. We had this stabilizer. It takes years, decades, multiple decades, a quarter century really start seeing the fruits of those results. And then let's say you do it for a whole 25 years and you turn it off, you lose those results. And you're, you're almost, from a dynamic perspective, the oscillation in the business cycle, you fucking lost it. You have fucking lost it. You can find me at Ty Keens. You can find me at Patreon, patreon.com slash Ty Keens. Find more of my shit at tykeens.com. YouTube, at tykeens. I'm all over the fucking place putting out videos. I'm going to be um, putting out my model. This is a big project, project I'm working on. It's called um, Stock Flow Monetary Dynamics. Maybe it'll, it'll be a book in the future. So we all know stock flow consistent models. But what I'm applying to it is a full dynamic range to it. So this model is operating endogenously as opposed to exogenous shocks. And endogenous is the system is, is turning by itself, right? It's turning. Think, think about it. Um, you know, I press the play button on the simulation. Think about a pot on the stove, you know, and as it heats up, it has convection waves, okay, doing this. And it's reinforcing loops. It's endogenous behavior, okay, until you turn the stove off. 
So that's kind of endogenous. So I'm trying to build that endogenous system, but following proper stock flow consistent modeling. So I have, you know, a worker sector, the banking sector, the firm sector, the central bank, the treasury, all properly stock flow consistent. So you can track all that. And then I'm creating dynamics behind that. I'll be putting that out on my Patreon for paid uh, members. Um, I'll probably do a free video to really demonstrate the model. Right now it's in beta too. So I'm constantly adding things. You know, system dynamic models are really a series of small models. So you make sure the small part, the small module works. Okay, and then you build another module and you integrate it with the other module and you make sure it works. Right, and it's, it's a long process, right? Because you're trying to simulate the dynamics you observe in the real world and then try to explain those dynamics. And the thing with uh, system dynamics, a really key thing is you div- you find emergent properties, okay? Things that you didn't think would occur um, when you change a policy level. So in this model right now, uh, some of the policy lever- level levers are taxes, okay? Um, the central bank buying and selling um, treasuries, so open market operations, okay? Um, TNL accounts, so the... The government has bank accounts in the private sector. And I'm adding more and more, but trying to make an interface where a person could run it, game it, essentially. Um, And so economists could... Now, here's the thing. Economists actually can't do this because they're not trained how to do real math. Um, But I would love to see this model be part of, uh, you know, an undergrad course where a professor could run the model in the class you could pull different policy levels to see what the outcome is. See what emergent properties happen that you wouldn't think. Intuitively, you wouldn't think because the mind can only handle so many fucking equations. Software can solve that problem. So back to the job guarantee, um, universal basic income, direct government investment into firms, which I think I just heavily favor. You can have those both the basic income and the job guarantee layered on there as a minor protection for workers. But really, what solves our our business cycle is proper, responsible government investment into the productive firm sector. Way fucking easier said than done politically. It really is. In my model, I created a very precise function. So the government wasn't over-investing, causing inflation. Now, in this model that I built and put out, I didn't have an inflation factor in it. But what you could see it as inflationary is if the combined corporate and worker income shares rose above 100. Okay? So now they are are purchasing uh, more than the actual output in the economy. Okay, so you could see that. So I made sure I created a function where that didn't happen. But that was mathematically precise. Politicians are not fucking mathematically fucking precise. Let's be fucking clear on that. Whether they do it out of sheer ignorance, they just don't understand economics, whether they do it just for their own agendas, which that's what I suspect, whatever it may be, Bottom line, there is not a fine mathematical detail in their reasoning. 
cannot like create this function for politicians to do this properly over the years. So that's the, the big problem. And that's a problem with fucking capitalism. I don't know how we fucking deal with that. You know, I know we have a planned economy. Does this mean maybe we just need more and more government spending? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a, tip, a t- tough situation, but w- one of my biggest problems with both the UBI and the job guarantee is what the job guarantee is, okay, where is the stock of capital that is existing for people to move into these jobs? Where does it exist when those jobs aren't being used? Because remember, there is a cost to holding that capital. It's depreciation. So that means you, as a government, if you're holding that capital, you have to create a whole new workforce just to maintain it so it's there during an economic downturn. But it's not being productive when there's no economic downturn. And if you apply that, if that capital is in the private sector, how do you decide what a company does? Like we do still live in a free country. You know, there are still mom and pop businesses. I understand you could say it's a big fucking corporation. We can uh, compel these corporations to do, utilize their unused uh, capital resources. But that would be difficult. Politically, really difficult, especially with the divide right now in the United States, even Canada, Europe. That political divide's huge. So, it's a tough one. You know, it's a I'm don't MMTers don't think I'm against a job guarantee. On on paper, just looking at it from far away, it's it's a moral thing, and I think there should be something in place. I federally mandated job guarantee how effective it is and how it can be implemented at a local level it's a theory it's a theory at this point until we try it um but again there are some mathematical problems mainly is the the utilization of capital where is that for these jobs you know as for universal basic income well, it depends. Is is everybody getting it? If some people are getting it, but other people aren't, well, then there's a political issue there, right? The old adage, well, my tax dollars are supporting you, blah, 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 right? There's that. That'll come into play. Is it for everybody? But how does that work? We're just simply injecting money at that point to everybody. Um, and without proper investment into the, the productive firm sector, that could be considered inflationary. It would get nobody anywhere. Prices would rise. Poor people would still be struggling, right? It'd be a reinforcing feedback loop. One person, somebody I really like on Twitter, also mentioned to me when I posted the blog that the job guarantee also creates a floor on wages, so a natural uh, minimum wage. Well, the UBI does that too, right? Wages could only go so low until people decided, well, I, I get the UBI anyways. It's not worth, there's no marginal gain for me to go to work, if that's pe- how people really are. But that's all theory too. I happen to like fucking working, right? I find things that I can do. One of the things in the blog is I, I really, I like the idea of the Star Trek universe, okay? And so in the, in the future, 
people, it's not about monetary gain and material possessions. It's about finding something you love to do, being passionate about it. The side effect of that is you make the community around you better. I'd love to get to that. I'd, I'd support whatever policy would get us there. Okay, job guarantee, universal basic income, universal basic services, another person on Twitter mentioned to me, right? Proper targeted government uh, investment in productive firms. Any of it. I'd love, I'd love for us to get to a point where we're passionate about what we're doing. And I bet you if, if that was the case, we'd be a lot less wasteful which seems to be a reoccurring theme in everything I'm doing, all the shit I'm putting out right now, you know, climate change, right? Because right now people are just have to go to work to get what they need. And all that is just reinforcing getting more, 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 and more. Never fucking ends. So yeah, you can download the model on um, tykeens.com. You can find it on the Patreon. Try it out. Download Minsky. You can find Minsky at sourceforge.net slash Minsky. Download the latest uh, version 3.0. Try it out. There's also beta versions. Really, I, I really, you can use to, and Minsky is essentially system dynamics. So if anybody, if you guys don't know what system dynamics is, it was developed by Jay Forrester, okay, in the 1950s, 1960s, MIT. And it basically, it's a set of ordinary differential equations. So these differential equations are the stocks. And then you're showing, so in uh, your bank account, it's a stock. Okay, so bank account, and then the flows, spending, income. So it would be, um, we'll call bank account B, okay? B, you know, over time uh, equals uh, I minus S, I being income, spending being, or S being spending, whatever, right? That's system dynamics. And then you're interacting all those stocks and flows together. Usually it'll create ratios out of them. And then you'll feed them back into each other with functions. Okay, so you'll look at society and look at behaviors. And then you can model that mathematically and plot it on a graph, just like I made the government function. You know, high gov- uh, employment ratio, low government spending. Uh, uh, high employment ratio or low em- employment ratio, so not a lot of people with jobs, higher government spending. So you can create those behavioral f- uh, functions. Do that in continuous time. Uh, Jay Forrester, synonymous, um, really the first practical project he did with system dynamics was, um, I think it was called industrial dynamics. So he went to GE, yeah, General Electric, and General Electric was wondering why there was a cycle. And they're trying to, between hiring employees and then firing them and production going up and down. And Jay Forrester came in and built a system dynamic model of their operation. He realized it was endogenous behavior. They had, gee, had built a system, a structure of the system that created this behavior of hiring and firing. So this was separate from the, the exogenous business cycle. 
So Jay Forster came in there, demonstrated that, made some changes, and really it was a pioneering um, point for system dynamics. Now he went on to do more social stuff, so urban dynamics came out after that. Okay, and that was studying urban decay. So you can think about Detroit, the decay of Detroit, the decay of many metropolises. Um, after that, it was World 2. World 2 was the predecessor to the World 3 model, which was the limits to growth. And that was in 1971. So that's Jay Forster, the birth of system dynamics. And there's lots of different software packages targeted at a different you know, areas of study. So Stella, Vinsim, and the social kind of studies. Um, MATLAB, um, Simulink, more engineering. Minsky for economics. Okay, so it's it's unique part is you, you have the godly tables so you can create accounting and follows the accounting rules. But anyways, I didn't swear that much. So maybe I'm getting better or maybe I'm getting worse. I, I'm not too sure. But uh, thanks for watching again. Make sure you check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash tykeens. Check out my website, tykeens.com. Follow me on Twitter, at tykeens. Hey, you subscribe to my YouTube channel. What's that? At tykeens. Wow, all of them. Uh, you can find me even on LinkedIn. You want to follow me there so your boss knows you follow tykeens. Follow me on there, tykeens. 